0: Sorry uh, to all our listeners for having to break into a cold open here. That usually means in a podcast that somebody screwed up, um, which isn't really true in this case. But um, I did want to uh, just bring up uh, two or three things here at the beginning of the episode um, just to let you guys know. Um, First of all, Shannon and I are both really low energy in this podcast. um, And that is largely just because we were both really tired when we recorded it. Um, I uh, listened to this, I've edited it, I think it sounds fine, I I like the way the episode turned out, but um, we're definitely a little bit low energy and we meander even more than we normally would, Um, but if you just kind of think of it as listening in on a conversation uh, between two people who love each other talking about Doctor Who, which is really all this podcast is, um, just kind of understand that this one is uh, not quite as uh, polished and not quite as organized as some of the other ones. Um, Among other things, we don't really talk much about Time of the Doctor, uh, just because we were just both out of it, and it was time to stop recording. Um, We will do, I think, a full episode on Time of the Doctor at some point in the future, Um, but I think if you've been listening to the last few episodes, you kind of get where we land on that. And uh, I think it really, that one really deserves its own, like, extended episode to talk about all the stuff that we liked and particularly didn't like about Time of the Doctor. Um, But we do talk a bit about that um, towards the end um, at about the uh, 50-minute mark. So um, definitely uh, keep that in mind. Uh, We are also, uh, second thing, we're also a little bit more sexually explicit in this episode than we typically try to be. Um, this is an explicit podcast, and we do consider this having an adult audience. Um, but we do talk a little bit more about sex than we have in the past. Um, so, uh, if that's something that bothers you, just, um, be aware of it, and, uh, maybe don't listen past, uh, you know, we really don't start till we get into Time of the Doctor. Um, we talk a little bit about the, um, kind of sexual relationship with, uh, the Eleventh Doctor and, uh, his companions and the people around him, and, uh, I do make a, uh, a comment about Moffat's uh, sexuality, which might come across as a little bit kink-shaming, um, which is certainly not my intention. Um, I think uh, the kind of brief mention, it can kind of feel that way maybe a little bit, but it's it's not intended to be that. And um, we'll uh, definitely, uh, you know, in future episodes, if we have a chance to discuss that in a little bit more detail, I think it'll come across a little bit better. Um, last thing, uh, we have a regular listener, Henry. Henry. Who uh, mentioned um, in a Facebook comment where you can like us on Facebook at Spaceman, A Doctor Who Love Story. Uh, give us a search and like us if you like this podcast. Um, Henry, uh, a friend of mine, actually uh, has listened to every episode of this podcast. And um, in our last episode, we talked about Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. And um, asked why we didn't talk about the Fourth Doctor serial, the Invasion of Time. Uh, in that episode uh, because that one has a lot to do with kind of going into the TARDIS and, and a lot of the action takes place there. Uh, the big reason for that is just that uh, Shayna has not seen The Invasion of Time. Uh, we will be uh, talking about that episode at some point in the future, sometime next year most likely, And um, but since Shayna hadn't really seen it, I didn't really want to spend a lot of time talking about it. I meant to mention it, and then it just kind of didn't happen. So um, those are the three things. Um, apologies that this isn't quite as uh, polished as I'd really like to make this product, but, um, hopefully you guys will enjoy it anyway. Um, please, uh, enjoy the rest of the show. And, um, looking forward to Deep Breath, uh, which we will hopefully be recording an episode on this weekend. And, uh, should be up, uh, sometime next week. So, um, uh, thanks a lot for, uh, listening as always. And, um, enjoy the show. I told you there be plenty of work for everybody, didn't I? Oh, typically masculine arrangement,
1: though. We do all the dirty work, you get all the fun.
0: You don't think mixing the singularly noxious compound is fun, do you? You're listening to Oi, Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. A nerdy podcast hosted by a husband and wife team who just love talking about all things Doctor Who. We're sex positive, LGBTQIP plus friendly, and decidedly not fans of Stephen Moffat. Spoilers, naughty language, and other adult content may lie within.
1: Oh, I could murder a cup of tea. You're serious, aren't you?
0: About what I do, yes. Not necessarily the way I do it. And hello once again. This is episode 15 of the OIS Spaceman, a Doctor Who Love Story podcast. I, as always, am Daniel, and I am joined by my wonderful, lovely, talented, intelligent, uh, brilliant feminist, queer wife, Shayna. Say hello, Shayna.
1: Man, you just keep getting better and better at these intros for me.
0: Yeah, I just uh, just want to make sure that uh, people know how awesome your commentary is going to be before you get started. I like building up expectations for you, while diminishing it for myself.
1: All right. <laughs>
0: uh, so, uh, Shana, you've heard her voice, so uh, we're just gonna move on from there. But uh, today we're gonna be talking about the last two episodes of uh, Series Seven. Well, technically, the kind of uh, the, the the 50th anniversary special, uh, Day of the Doctor. And then the uh, last Christmas episode, which is Matt Smith's Swan Song, which is Time of the Doctor. And uh, we are also going to um, do a brief mention here at the beginning of Night of the Doctor, which was a a little mini-sode. um, Which we haven't really been covering mini-sodes, but this one is uh, really worth talking about, I think, and really worth discussing. So uh, we're definitely going to throw in a little commentary on that as well. Um, And this will kind of complete our uh, coverage of the last year of uh, Doctor Who uh, leading up into Series 8, which is going to premiere in just a few days. And, I don't know, I'm starting to get pumped about Series 8, um, which I was kind of, I don't know, not dreading, but just kind of, uh, but but I'm, st- I'm starting to feel the energy. How are you feeling about Series 8?
1: I'm really excited about it. I've been trying to avoid as much as possible um, in terms of, I mean, I don't really care about spoilers as much as, I just, have been avoiding seeing too many pictures and that kind of thing. Um, because I want to be excited by it. And I have a good feeling about Capaldi. I like him a lot. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling the same way. And we did get a little piece of news. I figured I might as well mention it here at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenna Coleman is leaving at the, not at the end of Series 8, but probably in the Christmas special, Uh So, like, uh, this coming Christmas, uh, Jenna Coleman's going to be leaving the show.
1: Yeah, I'm. I was not hugely surprised by that. Um, You and I had mentioned this before, that uh, (laughs) this is the average length of time for a companion. Uh, Right. On on part, you know, usually uh, Amy and Rory just kind of stuck around a long time.
0: Well, Amy and Rory stuck around for two and a half full seasons, which is a really, really long time for um, certainly a new who. I mean, Rose kind of stuck around for two full seasons at the very beginning, and then, you know, she kind of came back for a few episodes. But um, Amy and Rory were around for, for a really, really long time, and in fact, the, um, the Moffat era so far can almost be defined by Amy, Rory, and the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith. Um, and then Clara kind of comes in at the end, um, and she's not given a lot to do, which is something I think we're going to uh, discuss a bit um, in, in these <laughs> these episodes. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to mention, I think we've been a little bit negative, I mean, just from kind of listening and editing all these podcasts that we've done over the last month. I mean, it it, it I feel like we're kind of saying the same things over again, so I want to try to pick out the positive where we can and really kind of talk about that a little bit more and try not to kind of make the same points. I mean, I think we will definitely have to kind of return to the same ideas, but I want to take a little bit bigger picture, bigger view of, of these last uh, two episodes here. Um, if we can, uh, of course, if we end up just bitching about Moffat some more, then that's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles. Well,
1: and I think, you, you know, it's, it's easier to talk about the things you don't like than the things you do like. Right. Um, So I I think that, you know, I have tried to say when I do like things, and there are lots of things I like about these episodes. Um, It just doesn't happen to be the writing. (laughs) Right. For the most part.
0: Or or at least Stephen Moffat's writing, you know, seems to be, uh, you know, uh, particularly.
1: But I mean, that's not to say that I don't find a lot of these episodes enjoyable or fun.
0: Yeah, we're still watching it. We're still talking about it. Um, we're just we just have issues uh, with a lot of it, and um, so I think we're gonna get into that a little bit more as we uh, move on. Um, before we get into these episodes, I do want to kind of do a little brief summary of just series seven so far, like like the the actual series seven, um, including the snowman, if you want. Um, do you have the list of episodes in front of you?
1: I actually do.
0: Um, would you list one or two favorites and one or two least favorites of that series? Just kind of sum up the series for me. Just kind of, you know, one one or two favorites, one or two least favorites, and just kind of why.
1: Um, really, my two favorites are...
0: Shani <sighs> for the first time?
1: Yes, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, my two favorites are, um, The Rings of Akka Ten and Hyde. Okay. Um, uh... We, we talked about both of those um I know you are not as huge a fan of Hyde as I am but it it, it feels like a classic horror show episode and um and the Rings of Aka 10 has a lot of the even if there are parts that falter it has the emotional core that I like to see in my Doctor Who
0: right
1: um and oh least favorites <sighs>
0: Big list to choose from there, I'm sure.
1: Um you know, I I wouldn't have said the name of the doctor until we re- rewatched it, and man will we have some things to say about that.
0: Are you talking name of the doctor or are you talking time of the doctor?
1: Oh, time of the doctor.
0: Yeah, don't count that one. Count okay, we're just not the, the main series. Um, time.
1: are on a spaceship. And, I don't know, the name of the Doctor, probably, because I think that whole storyline is just really annoying.
0: Sure, sure. Um, no, yeah, I, I can get that. I mean, you didn't have to, I mean, you could just said, I don't really have a, a least favorite. Um, I think for me, I, I agree with you on Rings of the Cotton, I think that's my, or Akatan, that's that's probably my favorite of the series, um and uh if I had to pick another it'd be probably Cold War. Um I uh I really liked Cold War a lot. I, I you know, you look at the list and it's just kinda those are the two that really stick out to me as like really high quality. Um with uh Crimson Horror kinda being a you know, maybe kind of an also ran in a lot of ways. Um for least favorites, uh for me it's it's uh really, really easy. It's uh Solomon the Daleks is absolutely my least favorite of the series, uh, followed very closely by Angels Take Manhattan. I think that that's just awful, <laughs> awful,
1: yeah, I dislike both of those two, yeah, I mean, yes, to be fair, I probably don't have a real least favorite <laughs> i I mean a lot of, again, my my main issue with a lot of these episodes it's not even that they think they're bad, it's just that I think that they're mediocre,
0: sure, and we expect better from um uh, mm-hmm. such a great show mm-hmm. it It should be better, mm-hmm. All right. Um, ice Broken, I think that that's fair. Uh, I could probably work on a Cold War joke if I wanted to, but I'm not going to bother. Yay! Um, <laughs> yay, no bad joke. Um, usually in these uh, episodes, I kind of pick something that we say during the episode as the title. Um, but I think I've already picked out a title today, and it's going to be Stupid Moffat Tricks, because I think that's the... Uh, Overarching theme of of uh, day of the doctor and time of the doctor, um, and name of the doctor as well. But we're not really talking about that one this time. Um, so uh, if we think of a better, if we get a better title, I'll, I'll choose it. But I think stupid Moffat tricks sounds like a, a nice uh, a nice title for today. Um, and that going forward, uh, I do want to start off. We're going to talk about something really really positive. I think, um, and that's the night of the doctor, which you and I just rewatched maybe uh, 10 15 minutes ago. Um,
1: yeah. I love Paul McGann.
0: Paul McGann's amazing. Um,
1: He has such a clear doctor, even though you only see it for, what, like ten minutes?
0: The the whole thing is like six and a half minutes long.
1: Six minutes. I just... You you get such a fully formed character and personality and... um, I don't know, I really like the way he delivers his lines. I adore Paul McGann, is pretty much what I'm saying.
0: Well, and I think it's interesting that the writing is really good in of yeah, the Doctor, Written by Stephen Moffat, you know, who we've spent the last month basically bitching about continually. Um, and this episode, like, it starts with, you know, it's efficient. It moves, I mean, it doesn't have time to not move fast, but it... It moves you through, it gives you these fully realized, I mean, this character cast, the companion that we meet, that we spend literally two minutes with, Mm -hmm. I have a deeper connection to her than I have to Amy Pond, and it's amazing that I could say that, but she's... Well, you have
1: a better understanding of her values, of who she is in a person with, like, one act.
0: You know, um, real heroic. You know, everybody else was screaming. That's why I teleported them off. Um, and then she tells the doctor. I mean, she she doesn't she doesn't see that the doctor is not a normal time lord, um, and she tells him off as as a time lord. And you really get a sense of like this bigger picture, this bigger universe, this. Uh, Time War that's going on that's destroying all of creation mm-hmm. in her in her anger and in, in her voice. You hear it. Um, and the writing supports that. you know like it's it's it feels like it's suddenly like the time war feels real in Night of the Doctor in a way that um, moving ahead a little bit. I never felt the time War feels real anywhere else in um these episodes in in Day of the Doctor, for instance. Um, It feels like a bunch of shiny, flashy effects without, like, a real um, heft to it. You know, it doesn't feel like there's anything really at stake.
1: Because it feels like very generic stuff is blowing up and kids are running by footage. Right. And the doctor walks through it in slow motion. (laughs) Right. It's like, uh, ah, you know. And honestly, instead of making me feel like he's connecting with those around him... It puts him back into that position where it feels like, oh, he looks on everyone else like they're ants, you know? Um, and that may be a bit extreme, but ultimately, I, I feel like there <laughs> there is a narcissism in
0: this doctor.
1: Um, and in even... the
0: 11th doctor, or are you talking about, which doctor are you talking about?
1: In the eleventh Doctor.
0: Sure. Um, before yeah. we get into that, because I do think we are going to get into that um, shortly, okay. I do want to kind of finish up just talk for another couple minutes about of the Doctor um, because okay. there is some uh, some other good stuff. I want to stay okay. positive here at the beginning. Positive,
1: positive, <laughs> um,
0: positive. I have I have not listened to a lot of the Big Finish stuff. I've listened to you and I have listened to Storm Warning, and that's about it. Um, and I think we both really liked Storm Warning. Loved it. Um, So I think we are going to kind of revisit. Uh, People who are way into Big Finish do say that Paul McGann is not written, um, that The Eighth Doctor is not written very uh, consistently to how he's written in the audios. Mm -hmm. Um, Without being familiar with a lot of the audios, I can't speak to that. Um, But, you know, I'm going to just say... That doesn't bother me for now. Maybe rewatching it years from now, when I've listened to a lot more Big Finish, I'll, I'll feel differently. But for right now, I really like *Night of the Doctor*. I think it's pretty much note perfect. Um, you really get a sense of the Doctor's um, tragedy. You really get a sense of the the heroism of both the Doctor and the companion. And we get to see the Sisters of Carnegie, which I know you haven't seen the Brandon Morbius yet, but um, that's a that's a big moment for me. It's like, oh, wow, those those guys come back, and are those those ladies come back, and uh, they are written very much like I remember they were written in Brandon Morbius. So, um, you know, that's how you do a classic Who reference, is you actually integrate it into the story. And if you remember Brandon Morbius, and you go, oh, that's cool, and if not, they kind of tell you who they are, and you can kind of get a sense of... of you know, you can tell a story around them without just, like, throwing up a, like, a, you know, a, a reference, a Family Guy-style reference to it. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, any further thought? I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm, I just, I feel like I'm just, like, a spooch fest on, on Night of the Doctor. I just, that was such a little unexpected treat. I was so happy with that. Um, and I would really love to see Paul McGann come back as the Doctor in, in another um, something, even if it's, like, another special or, uh, you know, uh, in another episode. There are rumors that he might come back in Series 8 as a, you know, as a... Uh, working with um, Peter Capaldi in some fashion. But, you know, who knows?
1: Well, I mean, and... I will probably say this more, but I don't understand why Paul McGann didn't get to... to be in it instead of the War Doctor. I don't really understand why we needed to
0: create the War Doctor. Sure, and... um yeah, let's just move on to Day of the Doctor. I think I think you and I, if we were to have talk Night of the Doctor, we just you know, it's we both feel very positively towards it. Um it's really good. Definitely worth watching. Um it's worth the six minutes of your time, especially for Doctor Who Fan. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely see it. Um um so moving on to Day of the Doctor, um the fiftieth anniversary special. Um, general thoughts on Day of the Doctor. Hmm... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Uh, You you want me to just go first and kind of give you a place to start with, or do you want to move on?
1: Why don't we do that?
0: Um, Again, trying to stay a little more positive. uh, I will say, once you've decided to do this story, which I think is a silly story ultimately, but um, once you've decided to do this story, I think it is pretty efficiently told. Um, There's a lot of plot here. There are a lot of moving parts that all have to kind of fit together. And it does give you some really nice moments. Um, the anniversary specials, which I know you've never watched, uh, I really wanted to show you Three Doctors before we did this uh, podcast, but we didn't get time to do that. Um, Three Doctors was the very—it was the tenth anniversary special. And um, the, the the anniversary specials tend to be a little broad. They tend to be more funny. They tend to be uh, very uh, lots of homages to to the past. Uh, you know, kind of a little more jokey. Um, and so, um, the tone here definitely kind of feels a little off. It, it feels jokier, but I'm kind of willing to accept it as a anniversary story. Because historically, the anniversary stories have always kind of been that. Um, you also tend to get a lot of, uh, like, story of Gallifrey. They almost always take place on or around Gallifrey. Or have sequences that take place on Gallifrey or involving Time Lords. Which is an interesting thing that they almost uh, universally uh, use... You know, give you history of Gallifrey or story about Gallifrey in the anniversary specials, um, which is kind of weird. Um, you do see it elsewhere, but not uh, not as much as maybe you see it in some of the uh, anniversary specials. So, you know, if you look at this and you say, okay, you're going to get multi-doctors, you're getting an anniversary story, it's kind of broad, and we're going to learn a lot about Gallifrey. You know, it kind of fits into that you know um, structure a little bit more than maybe it, it seems without that. Well, Daniel. Um, yes.
1: Tell me, what do we learn about Gallifrey?
0: Oh, we learn things that are completely contradicted by other things from earlier in the series. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, one day somebody's going to do a, a, like a uh, massive supercut of the uh, events of the, because this, hypothetically, all this all these events take place at the uh, end of the end of time part two. Um, David Tennant's last episode, like hypothetically all these events are kind of happening simultaneously. And you see little references here and there to uh, what Timothy Dalton was doing. Um, is it Timothy Dalton? Yeah, I think so. Um, was doing in um, a preview, you know, in in that story. Um, you see, you see little references to that here and there. So uh, I haven't seen the End of Time Part Two in forever, um, mostly because I don't really like most of the End of Time Part Two. But um, you know. Definitely worth uh, one. One of these days, I think somebody will do a supercut of that, um, and it really doesn't make much sense. And uh, the Time War itself doesn't make much sense based on what anything we were told about it, in particularly with Eccleston's Doctor and then with uh, Tennant's Doctor. Um, I always got the feeling that the Doctor was like forced into a decision to like have to basically he could destroy the Daleks, but he would have to destroy the Time Lords along with them. Yes. Um, as opposed to like actually, I'm going to steal this nuclear bomb, essentially, that's going to blow everybody up, and I'm making the decision to do this because I can't take it anymore. So at least that's the impression I always got. I haven't gone back to, like, look at the transcripts or anything and, and like, piece that together, Um so maybe I'm wrong, but I never really got the impression that, like, you know, the Doctor literally just destroyed everybody because he made the choice. I always got the feeling he was kind of forced into it.
1: I will say... It, it, it did always feel a little bit more like, in the way it had been described, as though there were a moment of ultimatum. Um, but, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, <laughs> my biggest issue with this is, I, I don't really understand some of the plot. Like, there's a lot of just kind of in the messiness in how I feel like some of the plot plays out in this episode
0: can you be more specific
1: um
0: not that i don't agree with you i just want to know you know i I just you need to talk some
1: (laughs) yeah you're talking a lot i love you uh um i i think for me you have so many storylines going on trying to integrate the three doctors even though one is like not a doctor um And this idea of bringing in the bad wolf character. Um,
0: Well, what was confusing to you, plot-wise? I mean, that's because you specifically said the plot was confusing, Uh, and I and I I wish you would just elaborate on that just a little bit.
1: Okay, so specifically with the plot, basically what happens if I wanted to summarize the whole kind of big storyline is. Because he sees his future selves, he decides to do it, not to do it, and then forgets. Or, I mean, it, it it's it's another one... I mean, what did you say the name of the episode is? Moffat's Fancy Tricks?
0: <laughs> Stupid Moffat Tricks.
1: Stupid Moffat Tricks. It, it, it's just another one of those plots that feels like it's going somewhere, and then it kind
0: of implodes on itself. Well, it certainly does that. I mean, they, they definitely kind of... Uh you know he presses the button he gets there's a lot of cleverness here actually more so than I've seen in some other episodes because they do kind of set up the memory wipe thing they've kind of got the the Zygon plot in the 17th century or the 16th century moving along with the Zygon plot in the 21st century and then the, uh, the way that kind of the timing in Wymanus of it actually kind of works here because you see, like, things in the past affecting the present, like he's scratching the uh, the, the numbers on the wall, and um, they're kind of communicating that way, I mean, which is pretty clever. I mean, it, it, about as clever as time travel gets in Doctor Who, that's a, that's about as good, as good as it gets, and they're well, using their sonic yeah. screwdrivers in kind of interesting ways, and... And,
1: and I like all of that, and, and that stuff makes sense. It's, it's when you get to the end, and...
0: Well, well at the end, they decide uh, to... Uh, basically, it's like, okay, we've got this... We've got a magic button, you yeah. know? So instead of bombing the... Instead of destroying the Time Lords, which, okay, instead of destroying the Time Lords, we're going to hide Gallifrey in a time bubble which we just have that technology, but it takes years and years and years to run the calculations. And so, oh, it turns out that um, I went and communicated with my earlier self and gave him the instructions to uh, run these calculations, and it took centuries and centuries and centuries in the entire history of the show up to and including Peter Capaldi's doctor is finally there, and suddenly everything, you, you, they press the button, and then maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. And they don't know if galfrey has been saved or destroyed. But.
1: I just that is, and this this is my issue with the episode. This is essentially what I'm getting at: is there is plot for about four episodes, or maybe even a whole season.
0: <laughs> well, and, In this and one episode. That's one of the things that I would definitely, you know, the the whole arc of these two episodes, the idea of. Gallifrey, we're going to go look for Gallifrey or, um, you know the Doctor has discovered this signal um, kind of moving forward to uh, time of the Doctor a little bit you know, the Doctor discovers this signal it turns out it's Gallifrey Um, the idea of, of kind of visiting the Time War and all this kind of thing, this could have been you could have dropped the Mystery Girl bullshit and this could have been an entire, Series 7 could have been about this this didn't have to be something that was all crammed in like this
1: Mm hmm
0: and uh, you know i think that this is just kind of what this is why i say it's stupid moffat tricks because it's just i think this is what people respond to is the idea that it's just dense and that it's um it doesn't have to make a lot of sense as long as it's got like the cool moment and the uh uh the exciting thing and like it's all just kind of crammed in there and you're just watching for it and you can rewatch it and say, oh, I missed this thing the first time, although I don't really seem to find that happening with the Moffat episodes. I re-watch them and find, man, this doesn't hold together at all. But, uh, you know, I think that that's kind of, you know, that's Moffat's style. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm trying, I'm really trying to just kind of accept that that's just the way he writes this, you know. Um, with this super high density, and Capaldi has kind of said, you know, this is this is the end of it, you know. Um, and Time of the Doctor is really bad about this. Um, that that you know that we're gonna have longer scenes and things will be a little bit slower paced, but um, it really hits this super high pace, frenetic colors everywhere kind of thing for a lot of these last two episodes. Um, and even though they're longer episodes, they just feel jam packed. Uh. And I, I'm I'm looking forward to the pace pulling back a little bit, but I think that's just Moffat. That's just Moffat doing Moffat. You know, it's just it's, it's stupid Moffat tricks. You know.
1: I, I I mean I don't know if we wanted to call it a style of writing, I guess. I I just throughout the eleventh Doctor's run, there has been this weird return to this kind of fairy tale feel. Um, and you have that starkly contrasted for me with the high action packed slapstick goofball. Um, and I I think they, they're kind of constantly butting heads, whether or not it's a whimsical moment or if, okay, no, now we have to run and it's crazy and exciting. Um. But moment to moment it never really seems to gel for me. Yeah, it's
0: totally all over the place. Um, yeah. both of these both of these episodes are really and I think that was it, again one of the miracles of Night of the Doctors, it really sets a tone, even though it's only six minutes long, it really does what it does. It gets in, it gets out, and it and it, you know, um, you really feel something at the end because it's been a little more tonally consistent. And partly I think that's McGann is a is a more subdued actor and he doesn't need to just gesticulate as wildly and all that sort of thing in order to kind of make himself, uh, you know, and his performance is much more uh, inward. Um, maybe because he's been playing the Doctor so long in audio where he doesn't have the ability to to uh, to use his physical form where he, he's, he's much more, you know, kind of has, it has to be all in the voice, um, which I think is interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, that could definitely be part of it. I feel the way that McGann speaks um, in that short, ...episode does do a lot for his performance, but... ...it's hard for me... ...I mean, one thing that I like about this episode is that we have Matt Smith with children again. And Matt Smith does have a great... Uh,
0: Now you're you're talking about uh, Time of the Doctor.
1: Yes, and one thing I do like about Time of the Doctor is Matt Smith's chemistry with children... And I think when he is around children, his over the topness makes sense. The whimsical fairy tale stuff that they're trying to shove in makes sense, but there aren't always kids in the episodes. Um, he, you know, and there's well,
0: they they portray the eleventh Doctor as an overgrown child, exactly. and like like as a big kid himself and when I, I would he, be
1: fine with him being a big kid when he's around kids um or when he's because there are a few moments in this episode where you get a feeling that he's or or maybe it's not in this episode now I'm having a hard time because we watched this entire s- series so quick right um you do get moments where Matt Smith's doctor gets to say I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just saying that I know what I'm doing because I'm trying to keep everybody calm. You know, stop calling me out on it. Um, and I think that that aspect, I think I would have been interested in, in this idea that he's not actually a big child, but he does it to put people off. Um, and I th- and,
0: and if we saw more of that, if we saw that, like I agree that if that was the feeling we got, like the second doctor often kind of acts like a child or acts like an imbecile Mm
1: -hmm. in order to
0: fool his enemies but Mm -hmm. then you know you cut away and he's this conniving genius you know the way the doctor should be
1: well Um, and i I think that moffat thought that by um letting him get real angry sometimes um that made him seem somehow more adult by getting angry um when really it it seemed even more childish to me most of the time. Well,
0: it, he's said, and and I hate to blame I, Matt Smith is not an amazing actor, and I'm and I'm so I know he's amazing at what he does, but he has a, a much more limited range than McGann or Eccleston or Tennant or a lot of the earlier Doctors. Um, he's really good at kind of the big shouty moments. He's really good at the goofy stuff. Um, whenever he has to be serious, whenever he has to be, um, whenever he has to interact with another person, he seems to just kind of lose his way just a little bit. Seeing, he 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 has real difficulty showing emotion in a uh, adult way. He comes across as like a child having a ten- temper tantrum a lot of the times.
1: Well, and I guess I'm more reticent to blame that entirely on Matt Smith. <laughs> Um, just because for me, that drastic tonal shift is in the writing and therefore sometimes the only way to make sense of it is that, you know, you kind of have to accept this is a narcissistic overgrown baby of a man child, you know? Right. And I I think ultimately when I come down to it, I just don't really like Eleven. I I like a lot. He has a lot of great moments where he's still my doctor. But in general, like if the doctors were just my friends and I could choose which friends to hang out with, I would probably not hang out with Eleven all that much.
0: I, um, I can agree with that. Um, we
1: just have some personality differences.
0: Sure. Um, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about some specifics here for Day of the Doctor. Um, and then move on into Time with the Doctor. Um, uh, John Hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a, the decision to bring in the War Doctor, the decision to do this, to rewrite chronology and continuity in this way, I think is really, really ridiculous. I think it's a stupid idea from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Um, John Hurt is amazing. Um, I think John
1: Hurt is good. I don't think he's amazing um i think john hurt in general is pretty great uh but i i you know i don't think he's given enough <laughs> to be amazing with in this and i mean i think tom baker's little cameo that we get to later is more amazing than john hurt
0: well tom baker is it, you know um i i agree that tom baker's cameo is, is pretty astonishing and um Probably the the best part of the episode for me, but so good. Um, but I I do think that uh, John Hurt takes this thing, and I mean he's being asked to come in and to be this kind of weary, world weary guy. He's he's, but he has to be. He's still recognizably the Doctor, and I think in a lot of ways he's recognizably more the Doctor than either Tennant or Matt Smith is in this episode, because of the way, particularly the way Tennant's written here. Um, he gets to be the kind of voice of experience. He gets to be. He gets to deduce. He gets to do things. Um, I also just love that they've got an eighty-year-old man and a faux hawk. Um, I think that's definitely um, and our first bearded doctor. So you know, woohoo! Uh, all right. So you have your
1: superficial <laughs> reasons for liking him. That is fine.
0: Um, no, but I, I, I do think the performance is good. Um, you you are um, less sanguine about it. Um, what do you think of tenant here?
1: Oh. Oh, tenant, how I love thee, but not so much in this episode. Um, I it doesn't feel like ten to me. It feels it, it like,
0: feels like a parody of ten.
1: It feels like a parody of ten. It feels like I mean, and. <laughs> uh, One of our fellow geeky friends who likes Doctor Who is a hairdresser. And she and I had a very long conversation about what the hell did they do to David Tennant's hair in this.
0: Right. Well, apparently he was doing another thing and so they couldn't really do his hair the way they used to or something. I don't know.
1: Uh, Yeah, but brushing your hair straight down over your forehead, making it look like emo Spider-Man 3, 10th Doctor. Like, no thank you.
0: Uh, We should have called him Jazz Fingers 10.
1: Jazz Fingers 10, seriously.
0: Uh, in the uh, Moffat Hate tag on Tumblr, which I recommend everybody check out if they like our podcast, I think uh, you'll find a lot of stuff to like there. Um, some of the uh, people in that tag call uh, 10 in this episode Zygon 10, because he's he you know in their headcanon he is a Zygon the whole time, um, and not actually uh, the 10th Doctor. <laughs> oh, I, I'm okay with that. Um, um, and then, of course, people extend that to that say the eleventh Doctor was just in Saigon the whole time because he never acts like the Doctor. So you know. <laughs> I, so. <laughs> that is that is a nice laugh. I like that, that little.
1: Yes, um, mine is mine is an evil laugh. Uh, my. <laughs> it's nice to have David Tennant back. I love David Tennant. I think he has good moments, but I feel like there are so many times when. When you and I have watched 11th Doctor episodes where we're like, but Ten's Doctor would have figured this out already. Right. And watching this episode, I was like, it didn't feel genuine because Ten wasn't the one figuring everything out.
0: Right. I mean, they kind of gave that to uh, John Hurt's Doctor. You know, John Hurt's Doctor is the one figuring things out. I mean, really, uh, Ten kind of gets nothing to do here. And, yeah um, you know, Eccleston decided not to come back, and there's been a lot of speculation about why Eccleston didn't come back, and I don't really want to get into it here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I I think that Tenet A, I mean, you know, it's Doctor Who. He loves Doctor Who. He'll be a part of it regardless. It doesn't matter if he, you know. Um, I think that was part of it. I also think that... Um, You know, looming over anybody who plays the Doctor at this point is the memory of uh, Tom Baker didn't come back for The Five Doctors in uh, 1983. Um, And that was only a couple years after he left the part. And I think it uh, left a bad taste in a lot of fans' mouths for a long time that uh, Tom Baker didn't come back. And I think that uh, Tenet didn't... You know, even if he hated the script, which we, we have no knowledge of that, but I suspect... He wouldn't. He wouldn't have wanted to let his fans down in that way. And that just being back in the show was, yeah, you know, but
1: saying but saying his line that made me cry and saying it in a way that is goofy like that. That was hard for me when when he turns around, and he's like, "But I don't want to go."
0: Right? No, and it's
1: It just feels like Moffat being like, "Nina, neener Nina." Neener, neener.
0: Well, there's a lot of that here, and I'm I'm trying to let it go. Just trying to let it go, trying not to uh, not to let it bother me too much, um, just because we'll be here all day. But, uh, um, you know, what do you think of the Zygons? Now, you haven't seen Terror of the Zygons, um, so what do you think of them here? Um,
1: you know, I think they're fine. I thought that the Zygon that we got to see mid-transformation was more interesting than the Zygon at the end of Transformation. Sure. Um and I think their kind of way of attack was was relatively clever. The the kind of you know, taking over people's identities and slowly tricking people into giving them information. I mean that's that's a pretty classic setup, you know. Yeah, it's camp.
0: actually pretty much the setup. plot of terror of the zygon, so you know.
1: You know, it's classic. But I don't think that they do much with it. Um again we have Kate Lethridge Left Bridge Stewart, who is a cool character, um, and I feel like some of her time gets wasted being a Zygon when we could have had more of that character.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I agree with that, and uh, there are some some little things that uh, you know are not true to the canon of what the Zygons were supposed to be um as i remember it but i'm not really going to get into that because i don't think it really matters i mean the zygons they made a big deal about oh the zygons are coming back and there are these classic villains who run like one one serial back in you know 1976 i think and uh they really don't give them much to do except you know just kind of be faceless villains and I think you get a lot of that with Moffat, where there's they're trying to create this new image that's supposed to be scary, or they're bringing back an old an old villain or something, but then they they end up just kind of feeling really generic. Um, I mean, so I, generic. You see it with the Whisperman at the end in uh. Uh, name of the Doctor. You know, uh, you see it. I mean, you know, there are all these villains that people are like. Oh, you know, look at the new villain, but they don't do anything. You know, there's no idea behind them, and so it's kind of. Okay, Um, And I
1: think, um, for me, part of the issue is then not only are are you not really doing anything with them, then, you know, what are we doing here? Um, if we have just this really generic plot and the characters that I like aren't getting played the way, I mean, there were just a lot of moments where as a fan I felt disappointed, um, and I think that they kind of reiterate each other. But uh, a positive thing, I, I'm kind of skipping around, but a positive thing, I really like Elizabeth the I in this episode. I,
0: I, I think the actress is fine. Um, I think that, I mean, this is not the Elizabeth the I of, of history, necessarily. Oh, um, oh, definitely not. I think she's an adorable character.
1: I don't understand how Ten interacts with her. Um, I, ten interacts with her the way that eleven interacts with women, not with, the way that ten interacts with women. Right. Well, might and, I remind you of the Madame de Pompadour? You know, like seriously.
0: Well, and you know, he has this like idea of there's, you know, not to get all class issuey and and you know such. There is a a writer I've been reading some of lately who writes a, a blog called a uh, Shabagan Graffiti. Uh, his name is Jack Graham, and he's actually a socialist, and he's like writing about Doctor Who from a like class struggle perspective. Uh, the Shabagon are the uh, like the lower classes on Gallifrey, um, mm-hmm. you know, in uh, in an episode of the classic series. And uh, you spend a lot of, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a socialist, but you know, he he sits and he talks about how you know. Until Moffat came along, like, the Doctor would talk about, like, oh, I met this big important ruler. But you really don't see much of it. And when you do, you know, you really don't see him uh, getting, like, buddy-buddy with, uh, right. you know. You, you see him kind of, you know, like, even in uh, Tooth and Claw, like, they kind of play uh, Elizabeth for laughs. Mm-hmm. but if this, Or Victoria, pardon, pardon me, it's Queen Victoria for laughs. But, you know, he, they certainly don't leave on, like, good terms. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, the Doctor he's really, with
1: authority figures. He always has.
0: He is anti. He is an anti-authoritarian figure. And in the Moffat run, you he's know, not... you know, the Eleventh Doctor is buddies with Nixon and Churchill and Elizabeth the First. Now, and uh, you know, the list goes on. There, there are well, more examples of this. and
1: at one point, he talks about, you know, I'll, I'll settle down and get a job, and it it's very much <laughs> an antithesis of of saying, you know, let's go off and take an adventure and change the world and help people of saying, you know, I buddy, buddy, and I settle down. Um, So, yeah, I I can definitely see that.
0: Yeah, no, um, this is a doctor, I mean, a lot of people will describe him as the good boyfriend doctor, um, which I think we're going to get into, uh, the 11th doctor, I mean, and we're going to get into that, I think, um, here, I think we should just move on in time of the doctor. We've been uh, talking for, for quite a while. Um, you know, overall on Day of the Doctor, it's, it's a mess. There's some fun stuff in it. I wasn't trying to take it all that seriously. The more seriously I take it, then the more it just falls apart completely and it kind of makes no sense. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that, that I think you and I both find really problematic about it. Um, but trying to stay positive, um, it wasn't as bad as Time of the Doctor. <laughs> um... So, let, let's move on to Time of the Doctor here. Um, uh, well, the... Do, let's, let's define what we're talking about a little bit better.
1: I didn't have you do this last time. Give a brief summary of this, this episode.
0: Time of the Doctor, the one where Matt Smith goes to a planet called Christmas, or a little town on Trenzalore in a planet called Christmas, and has to defend it for the better part of a millennium. There you go. Um, and uh, there's, there's Clara has to cook a turkey and, uh, the 11th doctor exposes himself to everyone because he's naked in the episode because, oh, look, sitcom plot nakedness is funny, right? And that's not sexual assault at all.
1: There are a lot of throwaway jokes like that in this episode. Um,
0: well, what's the point of the nudity? Like, what's the point of the nudity at all?
1: they don't even bother me because they're so inconsequential and so I mean I think they bother you because they're inconsequential but I mean that is that is our primary thing we have said about Moffitt's writing the entire run with um, Matt Smith is that there just aren't really consequences there are these weird little situations um, but there should be more consequences for a lot of these actions and instead it's just played for a laugh and you move on
0: sure um anyway um all right so general thoughts on time of the doctor the last episode um what what do you what do you think just
1: <laughs> i think this is again another episode that could have been really interesting if they focused on <laughs> something different about it i think the idea of the doctor deciding <laughs> You know, oh well. I finally found somebody who the one thing they need from me is to stay. Um, I, I, I don't know. I find that really hurtful to all the relationships he's had with all his other companions.
0: Well, and didn't we already deal with this in The Power of Three? Yeah. And, like, like, you know, was it that these, just like a few months ago? Like yeah,
1: all these same issues. But having said that, you know, and we could have had a series that is like. Um, Pertwee's era Where he's grounded with unit I mean, we could have had a whole series About how His time in a city Called Christmas where everybody tells the truth Turns up into this Giant battle at Trenzalore and we do get That with a lot of kind of Odd narration that Is again an odd mix Of battle and fairy tale And you know Um overall i again I feel like the story is unbalanced i feel like it's too much story squeezed into too small a space um and so you get a lot of elements that are just kind of flying there for shits and giggles
0: well i and i and i agree with i agree with all that there's so much in this episode that i just i want to pull my hair out over um not least of which is the fact that we finally learn let me step back I don't know at what point Matt Smith told them he was leaving. Um, mm-hmm. It was announced kind of right after the end of right after the name of the Doctor aired, uh, right after the end of Series Seven, and then we kind of knew. Okay, so we get the fifteenth anniversary, and then we get uh, the no. Christmas special, and yeah. Matt Smith regenerates there. There
1: is a lot of fan theory um, that suggests that this is speedily gone through because they found out that they were going to lose matt smith and they just kind of had to do what they could um the tasha Lem character if you are familiar with fan sites many people believe was meant to be river song and there are moments where it clearly feels like it was meant to be river song
0: um well the fact that he's like in love with her and the fact that they're being they're doing this flirty relationship thing and um you know, look, this is, I. you know, I, I put in the intro to all of our episodes that this is a, you know, kind of queer-friendly, sex-positive podcast. And, the, you know, I don't have an issue with Doctor Who talking about uh, emotional relationships with the Doctor. Mm-mm. I don't have an issue with the Companions falling in love with the Doctor, the Doctor falling in love with the Companions. About, You know, I know that a lot of people, particularly a lot of the classic fans, have real issues with that just being a thing. Um, yeah. I'm not one of those people. Um, it's not what I come to Doctor Who for, but I'm fine with that being a thing. Mm-hmm. I would like to, if we're going to do it, I want to actually explore it and do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have an issue with the idea that the Doctor, this incredibly long-lived alien uh, with a magic box you know has a more complicated social life than we're used to but we are presented with this character who is supposed to be deeply in love with River Song this one and only person you know she kind of finally dies and goes away presumably permanently at the end of the name of the doctor and now without any preamble without any sense of like anything suddenly he's flirtatious and clearly in this sexual relationship with this Tasha. I want to say Tasha Yar, but it's Tasha <laughs> with, with Tasha Yar here, you know, uh, and he's Data. All this, a sudden. no, no, um, you, know, uh, you know, like I, th- you know, I'm, I'm in no way trying to shame the idea that he has to be stuck on this woman forever on River Song forever. Not that I ever bought that relationship, but it feels really tone deaf to have him, as flirtatious as he is, but as childish as he is about sex, but then to not actually deal with it in the text of the show. Yeah, and, and as know, as like and that's part that's one of the things that just throws me whenever there's any hint of a romantic or physical involvement with the eleventh doctor and another character is that I just don't understand him at all.
1: No, and I think also you get this weird asexual, sexual blah-blah-blah stuff from before, in addition to the fact that he has had a weirdly flirty relationship and he's supposed to be, like, Clara's fake boyfriend and there's, like, this pseudo-awkward moment where he introduces Clara to Tasha Lem, and it it just... It feels like Moffat's got some kind of inside joke.
0: Well, <laughs> and, and I think... Like, and, and here's and here's where you know we kind of I'm gonna move on to uh, you know psychological thing. Uh, I think Moffat needs a mistress in his life because he keeps writing these uh, strong you know kind of dominant sexually middle aged female characters who are harsh. I mean you can practically see Tasha Lim like carrying uh, you know a riding crop in like a, a 90s sitcom like you know whipping a, a you know a little subby boy. Like, I mean, it's, it's uh, ridiculous. That, I don't know if um, i go
1: that far. I think she looks cool.
0: I mean, she looks cool, but, I mean, it's the same character over and over again. It's Tasha yes, Lem that part and is- Madame Kavarian and River Song. And, you know, yeah. You know, even to to go into Sherlock, you know, his version of Irene Adler is a literal dominatrix. You know, mm-hmm. and the idea is, oh, she controls men through her sexual wiles and I'm I'm not trying to talk about Sherlock because this isn't a Sherlock podcast but I think that it informs you know the way that the way that I mean Moffat seems to bring back these characters over and over again and I, apparently we're getting I, a new one in series 8 so who knows but I
1: think Moffat I think Moffat might be one of those guys who thinks you know if you have two young people who are heterosexual and one is male and one is female Either they will have a crush on each other, or they, you know, they can't just be friends. Um, I, I think th- that is kind of the feeling I get from him, of there has to be sexual tension, because these are all young people, and they're attractive, so of course there's sexual tension, because you can't just be attractive people and be friends with other attractive people, and be young and adventurous, um, and, and that's really the way that he's written so much of
0: this series. Um And there's a real will-they-won't-they kind of, like, Mm -hmm. tension. But again, it's not actually explicit. It's just sort of there. And it's in the writing, but it's not dealt with. And I think that that's the thing. Like, if they're going to deal with it, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. If they're going to make it a sitcom about will the doctor fuck Clara, okay, do that. But, like, when, uh, I don't know. It's, It's just, it's so, like, it can't commit to one or the other.
1: No, that you know? doesn't commit to much at all, actually.
0: Anyway, um, talking more about time and the doctor, um, we've been we're, this this episode is going to be long. Um, so we we find out that the crack was the thing that uh, was in the god complex that was the scariest thing in the universe to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a throwaway line about the silence and who they are. Yeah. Now, now they're buddy-buddy yep, buddy with the blink Doctor.
1: Blink and you miss it!
0: I, I mean, you know, which is ridiculous that, I mean, they literally wrote off basically two whole seasons worth of plot in four or five lines of dialogue. It's
1: so annoying.
0: Um the Daleks, this is
1: what I, I keep saying with the imploding pro, plot structure. Mm-hmm. It, like, erases itself.
0: Right, I mean, he reboots... The, the 11th Doctor has rebooted the universe. I will count that up one day. But I mean, I it is at least five or six times in the three in the four years he three years he played the Doctor. It was over and over and over again. He's just rebooting the universe, or resetting time. Nothing ever has a consequence. Because nothing, that's what know. I
1: can do. Because I'm the Doctor.
0: And that's not like it's not a compelling narrative choice when you can just reset everything at the end. It's not like like a proper. Like you,
1: the TV equivalent of, and then I woke up from a dream.
0: It's exactly like that. It's mm-hmm. exact, It feels like a cheat every single time. I mean, if you had done it once, you know, I mean, at the end of uh, uh, The Big Bang, Amy literally wishes the Doctor back into existence by thinking about him, you know, and suddenly the Doctor exists again, you know, like, uh, you know, wish wish it, it comes true. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, how, how much more, and it was all just a dream can you get at that mm-hmm. point? Um, sorry, we're going, we're going a little bit astray here. Um, a lot of stray. So, uh, okay. Christmas special, Clara's family, uh, really, uh, poorly written in my opinion. I mean, what do you think about the sequences with Clara's family?
1: Um, I, I again feel like Clara's family just gets treated like props there's a, a weird, oddly intimate moment with her grandmother that may have meant something if we had seen them more than just props, but it's hard to get emotional about it when, um, you know, the only reason, context we've seen them in is like, oh, they saw the doctor naked
0: <laughs> right?
1: Um, and got confused. Um, and then we see them for a snippet at the beginning of the episode and a snippet at the end and... It, it, there very much is a feeling of the only reason that there is this whole s- scene and setting with her family is so that she can talk to the doctor about, you know, you're supposed to be my my date, my boyfriend. Um, and I don't understand why we need to see her family and have all those interactions to have that storyline. Um, so again, it just feels like extra and sloppy and a waste of time.
0: Extra and sloppy and a waste of time. uh, Very much kind of... uh, The way I felt about that entire sequence. Um, Like, I understand it's a Christmas episode, and so they kind of want to make a kind of Christmassy theme to it. And I guess entertaining your family is a thing with Christmas. I don't know. It it just seemed kind of uh, superfluous to me. Especially when you're also trying to do this regeneration story and all that other stuff. Um... I know you're you're starting to kind of drift off here, and I, I think uh, we'll we'll kind of wrap up here shortly. Um, what do you think of the idea that the doctor spends like a thousand years defending this planet?
1: Um, like to be honest, I I just don't really get it. Um, the whole this whole idea of I need to stay because I'm the only one who can stop all the bad guys. It doesn't feel very doctory to me. Um, because the the Doctor doesn't just stand guard. The Doctor helps people help themselves.
0: Well, and the Doctor could have evacuated the people on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, in a thousand years? I mean, it could be interesting maybe if there really was some reason he had to stay. And you saw him, like, his influence, like, he's building a society around himself. You know what I mean? Um and you saw, you saw, like, the technology he gives them over time, over a thousand years, and they spread into this great empire that can fight the Daleks. You know, that could be an interesting idea, you know?
1: Yeah, but that's um, not what happens. It's this little podunk village, and it stays this little podunk village, and he turns into the old grandfather of the little podunk village.
0: I mean, he turns into into Santa Claus. You know, that's essentially, yeah. you know, and that's, man, Matt Smith should play Santa Claus one day. He'd be perfect. You <laughs> know, like... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was struck at this time watching through it that you know the doctor doesn't even like ask the people of Christmas's, like opinion. He no. doesn't like give them. He just says, "Well, we're gonna do this, and I'm in charge, and so I'm gonna hang out with you guys and defend you from this." And there are like a billion billion dollars coming down to destroy everything that these people have, mm. and there's no like discussion or anything. He's it's, it's just he just runs right over them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, which is something that I think I missed the first time, but then the second time watching it again, I'm like, holy shit, that is just ridiculously bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a very doctor like behavior. Uh, I don't know. So much in this episode, I, I just kind of blocked this one out of my memory. Kapaldi's um, gonna be what is gonna be in. I think Kapaldi's gonna be better. Um, I'm hoping that they've kind of learned the lesson from people's responses to Time of the Doctor, um, and, and I, we'll, we'll find out in a few days, honestly, I mean, that's kind of all I have to say about looking forward, um, at least until we get to the very end. Um, any other thoughts on Time of the Doctor? Um, we we kind of spent a lot of time on this episode just kind of meandering, but I think a lot of the issues we've had have, have kind of encapsulated all these episodes, you know, so.
1: um, You know, I, I guess if I wanted to say one last thing, I would say, I, again, Bringing back Amy, um, oh, because she's the first face this face saw. Um, there, the the relationship that Eleven and Amy have that we see is not ever the relationship that I understand them saying there is emotionally. Uh, this idea that if he wanted to say have uh, see one person before he died or whatever that. It took Amy's form to send him off. I mean, that's essentially what happened, right? I'm not remembering that wrong.
0: Um. Uh, you're, you're remembering it pretty. I mean, it basically, you know, um, the fourth and fifth doctors, both when they were generated, saw previous companions, like, kind of had, like, this, like, mental, you know, kind of flashbacks to previous companions. I kind of get the idea that really this is just the doctor kind of in a reverie just before he dies, um, just remembering. Yeah, you
1: get you know. kind of a sense that maybe he's got dementia and he's going a little, you know, he's not <laughs> sure. out there. Um But the idea that it's Amy who comes to him, and I know that we've already had the issues with perhaps um, River not being available, but this end-all be-all relationship of him and Amy just... Has never quite made sense to me, and it's very clear that this was the most important part to Moffat because that's the note he's choosing to end it on. It 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 just it doesn't make sense to me, and so I guess for me it's kind of like oh right, well well at least we're falling flat on the end for me as well.
0: Well, and and I think that if we were if you and I were more invested in the eleventh Doctor Amy friendship relationship whatever if we were more invested in them as characters this could have been heartbreaking and i think it was heartbreaking for a lot of people who for whatever reason do have that connection to karen gillen and matt smith's characters like seeing them together one last time meant something to people who are really big fans of the 11th doctor but i think ultimately you and i are just not fans of this doctor we've seen all of it i just i don't know this will be the doctor i probably revisit the least in the future um, I can't uh, imagine kind of wanting to revisit this, and I'm hoping that Capaldi just brings a whole new spin on it and we, we get more of the great writing that we got in Night of the Doctor as opposed to the, the crap that we've uh, uh, gotten for the last three years. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on any of this?
1: Nope. I mean, I, I feel like we've spent a lot of time complaining. There is a lot of stuff that I like throughout. Um, I just wish there was more of a balance.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I'm thinking that one day we'll do a commentary track uh, for an episode. And I think Time of the Doctor would be excellent to get inebriated and do a commentary track for. Uh, like, watch it and comment on it while we do that. I think it would be really fun to do that um at some point um because it will be hilarious sure <laughs> my wife has such faith in me um yeah let's just wrap up i mean i, I think i think we're, we're both kind of drifting off here um all right you can email us at oyspacemanpodcast at gmail.com you can find shana's twitter and tumblr at inkyosa that's i-n-k-y-o-s-a uh, and that's Twitter or Tumblr. You can find me at Daniel E Harper in either location. And we're trying to get uh, more active on our social media, uh, in particular. Uh, final thoughts on on anything you uh, you've done? So done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> done with done with the eleventh Doctor. I get it. Um, I have a little quote I want to finish this off with, and uh, it's actually not from an episode. It's from a uh, it's an interview that Matt Smith gave and uh, I don't have the source for it, but uh, it's, it's been going around Tumblr. Matt Smith says about Doctor Who, it's a show about a man who's more than 1,000 years old who travels in a blue box, which is bigger on the inside than the outside. He can go anywhere in space and time, back in time, forward in time, picks up a load of hot chicks, takes them around the world. And now um, I want to compare that. This is, this is a quote that Christopher Eccleston had before he, uh, before he came on as the doctor before the premiere of the show for all the danger the doctor encounters the basic message of the show is seize life be optimistic and see the positives the series the series is written with passion and humor and there's an innocence about it it's a kind of celebration of life in all its forms the doctor doesn't react with horror when he sees a blue three-headed monster he reacts with wonder and i think that's a very important message to send out to children Mm -hmm. and i really think that those two quotes just summarize i Going forward, whether Moffitt's a showrunner or not, whoever whoever's writing the show, I would like to see a lot more of the idea in Christopher Eccleston's quote than in Matt Smith's quote.
1: Uh, for sure, definitely.
0: And, and I think that that's that's where I want to I want to I want to end this on a, on a hopeful note that that maybe we'll go back to something that's a little bit that, that's got a little bit more of the uh, of of what Eccleston's talking about there. We shall see. All right, that's it. I'm done. Uh, Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Again, you can email us at oisespacepanpodcast at gmail.com. Sorry for a little low energy on this one, but uh, we're looking forward. We're going to do the next 13 episodes in 13 weeks, so look forward to our uh, discussion of Peter Capaldi's first episode, Deep Breath, next week. Um, And until then, we will uh, see you in the TARDIS, I guess. (laughs) Bye.
1: Bye.